Hey everyone, this is Zach from the Barnburner Podcast Network. And if you've ever thought about making a podcast but don't know how to get started, we have the answer for you. Do like we do and use Anchor. Anchor is by far the easiest way to make and record a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place and is totally free. Ever wonder how to get your podcast listed on other platforms like Google, Apple, or Spotify? You don't have to worry about it. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere by everyone. Also, the coolest part is that you can easily make money from your podcast through listener support and easy ads just like this one. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Hold on to your hippogriffs. It's another episode of In the Can, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network. This is The Chief, and I'm joined by Harry Potter Keeper of the Flame, my guy Brett, to talk Fantastic Beast, The Crimes of Grindelwald, or Grindelwald, still don't know which, with full spoilers. Remember Hogwarts? Because I sure do. The Barnburner Podcast Network is brought to you by Blue Note Bourbon, a small batch bourbon as smooth as Grindelwald's perfectly bleached and quaffed hair. Now here's an episode of In the Can. My brothers, my sisters, the clock is ticking faster. My dream, we who live for truth, for love. The moment has come to take our rightful place in the world where we wizards were free. Join me. Or die. The wizarding and non-wizarding worlds have been at peace for over a century. Grindelwald wants to see that peace destroyed. You want me to hunt him down? To kill him? Dumbledore, why can't you go? I cannot move against Grindelwald. It has to be you. You don't suffer from motion sickness, see? I don't do well on boats. You'll be fine. Do you know why I admire you, Nick? You do not seek power. You simply ask, is the thing right? Time's coming when you're going to have to pick a side. No, I don't do sides. What are you going to do? I think it's something. Newt, you never met a monster you couldn't love. Let's take him. Welcome to another episode of In the Can. It's been a while, where I'm joined by our in-house potions master and alchemist, Kansas City Brett, aka Player One. Are you ready, Player One? <clears throat> yeah, it has been a while, but nothing could sever us, Chief. We are uh, going to do this Harry Potter themed podcast. <laughs> we might make a little blood pack here at the beginning that we can't fight each other, depending on if our opinions differ. I feel like that, you know, that might be in order here. Have to find a niffler or two to solve that. Indeed, down the well, road. Well, if you haven't guessed, we are talking Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald, aka Fantastic Beasts Part Two, aka Harry Potter Ten, aka the E True Hollywood Story Dumbledore biography. We all thought we wanted, but maybe we didn't. Hey there, George Lucas. I mean, J.K. Rowling. Uh, so, so I'm going to ask you a very basic question, and I want you to give me a, a relatively basic answer. Um, did you like this movie? I could not have been more reviled and sickened and disgusted by this movie had it had Jar Jar Binks in it. <laughs> um, I don't really know how to respond to that, but I will, I will say that I, I did like this movie. I like this movie quite a bit. I enjoyed myself, but this movie is terrible. <laughs> 
this, <laughs> there's, there's no getting around how this movie is literally a big sticking pile of uh, festral dump, man. Like you know, this, I mean, we'll get more into it later, but this is not a good movie. Uh, this is a movie where if you're a Harry Potter fan, you can understand the intricacies. If you know the lore, if you read the books, especially, then you might know a little bit more about what's happening. And that's also simultaneously what might drive you crazy. Uh, let's talk a little bit about canon. Now you are the bigger fan of the two of us and know a lot about the canon and the story and these characters. So take us through some of the elements of this movie that sort of violated what you think is, is the canon to the movie or to the, to the entire uh, the wizarding world that JK Rowling created. It's two hours and 13 minutes long of canon busting bullshit. So I don't know if I can take you through all the elements that what comes to mind. Oh man, I I'm staring at four pages of notes here. Oh, let's go! Yeah. <laughs> it's not I, good. Here's what I said: I, I, the second you saw this movie, I I got a text out of nowhere, and I know when I get a fired up text from you that that you're that you're just ready to talk. That you saw this movie, I hadn't yet. You saw it Thursday night, and you were fired up. And I said it then, and I'll say it again now. I know when someone needs the ball. So I, right now, I, I'm peak Rajon Rondo, 2008 Boston Celtics. You are Kevin Garnett, and I'm feeding you the ball right now. Go. Uh, I'll just say I went into this movie. I liked the first Fantastic Beasts, and I've said this now to multiple people multiple times, but I liked the first Fantastic Beasts because it was nonsensical. It was fun. It was magic. It was something we hadn't seen before, and it did not connect itself to the Harry Potter world that I know and love. And so it wasn't an issue for me, but this movie just takes that and just slams me in the nuts as hard as it can with a festral, uh, just flying right into my nutsack over and over again to remind me that this movie is a part of the Harry Potter universe. And like I was pumped in the trailer. Oh, it's a young Dumbledore played by Jude Law. Looking forward to that. Oh, we get to see Hogwarts, yada, yada, yada. But that just was, that was that was Thestral number seven flying right into my ball sack just over and over again of, oh, my God, this is a Harry Potter movie. Don't you just love Harry Potter? And here's all the ways that this ties to Harry Potter. And it was gut-wrenching because it was such. Remember Hogwarts? <laughs> Remember uh, Hogwarts? Yeah. We love Hogwarts. Yeah. Oh, the musical cue flying over that nice hilly green British. Oh, Hedwig's theme. Oh my God, this is supposed to make me feel beautiful. <laughs> uh, it, I, I intentionally, so I'm a super fan. I, I've read every book as many times as I've had a spare moment to since I was 10 years. I was 10 years old when the first one came out. I was waiting for my letter. And ever since that moment, I've got the Deathly Hallows tattooed on my shoulder. I watch these things over and over again. I, I annoy the piss out of anybody I ever watch a Harry Potter movie with because I quote every single line. I, like, I'm a diehard. I intentionally avoided the cursed child because I knew that it was J.K. Rowling breaking the universe with her time travel bullshit. I watched... Time travel bullshit. The, the cursed child, it, it plays with time travel the same way that... The Prisoner of Azkaban does. They don't ever really explain why nobody, why, why this 13-year-old witch gets a time-traveling device so that she can go to extra classes. Like, that's not a big deal in the Harry Potter universe, and you just kind of get over it and try not to think about it too much. But The Curse of Child, the whole center, central core of the book is that they get a hold of a time traveler or a time turner with unlimited time and they go back and they change the universe and then they have to go back and fix it and anytime you dabble with time travel it's tricky and it can get very stupid very fast and so i read the screenplay uh and i knew that it would get very stupid very fast so i've intentionally like i didn't buy the book i didn't purchase it because i didn't want to just get pissed off about jk rowling going even further than time travel than she ever should have in the first place. But she didn't write The Cursed Child, right? Didn't some other yeah, she, guy write it? No, she wrote it. Oh, really? I could have sworn yeah. it was a different author. Mm-mm. Oh. It's I, I, like somebody helps out with the screenplay portions of it, but it's a J.K. Rowling. Is story. She wrote yeah. the story. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not the dialogue. Or, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to push back a little bit. Fantastic Beast does tie in, I thought, uh, to the world. I mean, it, it, it obviously takes place in the yeah, world, but yeah. also, you know, there's in the marketing materials, there's the Deathly Hallows is all over it. The, the Percival Graves character mm-hmm. played by 
Colin Farrell, who ends up being Grindelwald, the mm-hmm. reveal uh, is, you know, he has the Deathly Hallows. He says the things we understand Grindelwald to do every now and then. He has that line for the greater good, uh, which is his, his catchphrase. So there's little things you can read into, but it did feel sort of like a standalone story as well in the way that this one did. Now, of course, this is the second part of a five-part movie, <laughs> which is going to span like 20 years. Like, uh, culminating in the final battle, of course, which we know to be between Grindelwald and what is it called? The Battle of the something. It's called, it has some name, but like Battle of the, I don't know, but the famous battle in the Chocolate Frog Car from the very first book, like this right. historic event, the greatest wizarding battle that's ever been seen in history of wizards until that point between Dumbledore and Gellert Grimmauld, the, uh, the the villain, apparently, of these five movies. Uh, so, you know, like, the first one does, like, have Harry Potter stuff in it, but you just thought that it was just tastefully done, I guess. Like, the yeah. fan moments, the fan service, and this is something we've faced in Star Wars, too, kind of at the same time as all this. Like, yeah. the fan service is, can't be too in your face, has to be tastefully done, but it also can't alienate an audience of people that don't know what the fuck is going on in all of this, like, crazy world. They just want to go be entertained by some guys you know casting spells uh, well and, so. and that's that's the problem you just touched on it there this movie i don't i don't so again i'm a high diehard harry potter fan but i'm not a daily updates on pottermore which which is rowling's extended universe sure. she, she's got pottermore they call themselves potheads they go like read up on this stuff and she goes and she she retcons she changes the, she retroactively changes the time continuum just to add in whatever she feels like needs to be added her twitter is canon too i think right yeah like, it's just whatever she wants to be right is right and that's that's fine for pottermore because you go and you seek that extra knowledge and you go to be surprised like she that the first big reveal where she did that and it it kind of inflamed a whole bunch of people was making dumbledore gay and like I was like, that's awesome. That's great. She just hasn't stopped since then. And that's yeah. a problem for me because now this movie and the four movies that or the three movies that are about to follow it are just her fucking with anybody who, who liked Harry Potter. And like, I'm going to have to, <laughs> I'm going to have to make a decision to see or not to see these next three movies because it pisses me off so much. Like, Well, you're touching on a greater problem and something that we'll talk about in a little bit. So let's put a linchpin on that the fans versus the creator, but yeah. I want to get more into the canon parts. So the big reveal at the end of this movie is that, that, um, Credence, uh, the character from the Credence Fairbone, yeah, Credence mm-hmm. Fairbone played by Ezra Miller, uh, has the, uh, what's that called? Obscurus, like this magical. Repression. He is an obscurial. He is an obscure, obscurial. Okay. You'll have to help me out on this. He, he is revealed to be at the end of the second movie, uh, the other Dumbledore sibling who, as we know, or what we thought we knew based on the past 20 fucking years of canon, <laughs> seven books and eight movies, was that Dumbledore, of course, had his brother Aberforth and his sister Ar- Ariana, Ariana who, who passed away, I think, in a kind of a fight between Aberforth and him and Grindelwald, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so like that has been a constant shame of his. And, and sort of the, the point at which he kind of started walking the, the straight and narrow as much as Dumbledore can when before he had been very ambitious and him and Grindelwald sort of has started to dive down the same like path, you know, what, what I it, kind of interpret Grindelwald's like philosophy to be would be like, it'd be like me and my best friend, you know, or, or Dumbledore and, and Grindelwald. And suddenly my best friend starts reading like Mein Kampf or something. And like, he's like, we're at a bar one night. And he's like, Hey, I was reading this book. And like, there's these kind of crazy ideas in it. And like, I, I hear him out, you know, and I'm like, a little bit intrigued by what he's saying, but like ultimately in my heart, I know that's shit's crazy. I feel like that's kind of what they got going on. But so what did you think about the third Dumbledore or fourth Dumbledore sibling? And well, first of all, do you believe, do you believe it? And, and second of all, even, even if you don't, or even if you do, what do you think about it? It, it, it pisses me off on 18 different levels. Like, okay. At its face, it pisses me off because it's the most needless twist as so far as we can tell that I've ever seen, like in a, one of these huge big budget movies like that I've that as so far as we can tell. And that's, that's problem number two is that if she's just setting up the third, fourth and fifth 
Fantastic Beasts to be another like time travel tr- crazy continuum bullshit, then then she's doing the worst thing possible, and that's diving into stuff that doesn't make sense, but it sells, and you can add as much CGI to it as you fucking want to make sixty one million dollars in an opening weekend. Like it's it it it's it hasn't been part of any of the the canon thus far, as far as anyone can tell, unless she's left like these most esoteric subtle hidden clues possible and nobody's ever figured it out. And this is her big reveal. Uh, but it just hasn't been a part of the series. And then to add it into the end to, uh, it, and it, to me, it just didn't make any sense. Like Grindelwald says that only, and Dumbledore talks about how Phoenix has come to his family. His grandfather had one. Grindelwald says only a Dumbledore can call a Phoenix in, in times of need. Uh, so how the hell did Grindelwald just happen to have a baby Phoenix sitting around for, it's not like, it's not like Credence called him forth because if he had, then he wouldn't have needed Grindelwald to explain to him that he had called forth the Phoenix because it was part of his family's legacy. Like where did the Phoenix, where did Fox fucking come from? Uh, was it, that Fox? It, I mean, you have to assume that it's Fox. I, nobody, I don't know that it's label. I don't know that anybody else has said it. I just assume that it's Fox, but it was might it like just an be an actual Phoenix or was it just conjure like an image of one? Like it's I, a ba- it's a baby fiend. We'll see. Yeah, that's the thing too. Like, it, I, is I he just doing some more fucking magic? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like here's a. I mean, this will go kind of into my ticky tack section later. But this movie and maybe these Fantastic Beasts movies suffer more from the magic do socks machina. Like, like people can just do things all of a sudden that it's like it's okay, Deus you know, like, ex machina for yeah. us non filmists. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> I mean, like. Here's an example. Like when Grindelwald conjures that crazy. Unless when you said deuce ex machina, you meant that she just took a giant shit on people like me who have happened to like Harry Potters. Then yes, sure. this is a deuce ex machina. That's, that's the more clever thing. So that's exactly <laughs> what I meant. Uh, yeah. So he, he dumble or I'm sorry, Grindelwald conjures that like crazy ass blue fire that like essentially lets people that are his followers pass at their hearts. <sighs> and then also kills other people. But that's fine. That's badass. He's a dark wizard. Whatever. It's but not then, fine. Like, look, but then other people can like, Battle it by the like, (laughs) (laughs) dude. Like, like literal auras are getting decimated, like little bitches. And then Newt and his brother, like somehow battling it with like flashes of yellow light, which we don't know what that spell is. It's because they have belief. It's obviously right. right? I mean, that's just power of belief. That's a that's a microcosm example of the macro problem, which is the. And then, and then Newt too showing up and like doing like basically like the, you know, first, first 48, you know, like, you know, investigation, like replaying the scene of what had happened the night before. Why the hell didn't Harry and them do that a billion times? They were trying to find the horror crux. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. But well, you know what I'm saying, he, right? He, 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 he transfigured his wand. We've never seen anybody transfigure his wand before. He got a feather to follow the person that it came from. Why wouldn't they just like, oh, Peter Pettigrew, my, my pet rat Scabbers is missing. Hermione, since you know every fucking spell ever invented, can you just use one of his hairs to help us locate my pet rat? Or Buckbeak goes missing. He's a dangerous creature. Why don't they pick up one of his feathers and say, help us find this fucking thing? Or the dragon leaves Gringotts. Right. Why don't they pick up one of his scales and say, oh, let's go find this dragon that left Gringotts? <laughs> I know, I know. And so that was one thing that, like, and I could tell it jumped out. It was one thing in a two-hour and 13-minute movie. One thing where it could have broken the universe had it existed prior to this. Right. And so it just seems like lazy kind of, I guess, screenwriting. You have ignited the blue fire in me. Yeah, I can, I, can hear, I can hear it. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so you did not like the, the – well, let me ask you this. Does it really matter if there's another Dumbledore brother? Well, is there anything – Not if it's time travel. Not if it's just make up whatever fucking story you want is there for the anything, purposes of selling movies. Okay. Is there anything in the text at all that that – that makes that makes this absolutely impossible. There are there's doubt on when his father died. So for in order to, for it to be a Dumbledore sibling, and and so I was going to see this movie a second time to give you some explanation. But I'm 30 years old now. I just turned 30, and it's not good for me to get my blood pressure up. So I wasn't going to go spend more money to get more enraged at this movie. So I don't remember specifically if. Grindelwald said he he said something about your brother wants to 
defeat you. He he didn't specifically say Albus Dumbledore is your brother. He didn't specifically say you are the brother of Albus Dumbledore. He said a Dumbledore can call a Phoenix and your brother wants me to kill you or your brother sent Newt to kill you or something like that. Like he says those lines. So you assume that he is Dumbledore's brother based on those things. And if, again, if it's just a play of words, if it's Grindelwald being tricky, then then maybe I'm less mad about that. But I don't want three more movies to figure that the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, there's also some talk about how like... Oh, oh sorry. Go back to answer your question. Their father died in prison a few years after being imprisoned, which in the timeline that used to exist was like eight years prior to when Credence was born. His Percival Dumbledore supposedly died in Azkaban eight years prior to when Credence was born. So okay. there is there is that aspect of it, does he mean Percival Dumbledore, who fathered the other three Dumbledore children, is actually his father? Could be a half brother too. I mean, we 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 just saw them raise that plot element here in in this very movie with the Lestrange family. So Mm-mm. yeah, I mean, it it could be. I, it's not impossible. Basically, like it seems like everyone assumes that it's completely destroyed the canon, but I but I I don't know if it has. I mean, not really. Uh, it may kind of makes Dumbledore more of a liar, but he kind of is. You know, like he always has has kept his his family history very secretive. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, at the same time, I've heard other elements about, uh, perhaps his sister was, a, an obscurial as well, or obscure, had an obscurus in her. And, and when she was killed, apparently that it needs to latch on to another host. So there's this mm-hmm. theory that like, maybe it latched on to Creedence somehow when he's an infant. Like he, was, I don't know. I don't know. But that's, that's also a theory that he like carries the spirit of his sister. So like he has kind of the, uh, ability to like do Dumbledore esque things, but like not isn't a Dumbledore by blood technically mm-hmm. kind of like how Harry had little bits of a bit of Voldemort in him. Like kind yep. of deal. So I, I could I see that, that being a reveal too. like, but whatever, Here, here's the thing. If you close the movie on that, like, and it doesn't end up being that, then it, it seems really cheap and really ridiculous to then backtrack it. Um, and, and it's just a larger part or a smaller part of the larger problem of this movie, which this movie feels very much like a, like a freaking, eighth episode in the game of thrones 10 episode season that's just like a hey we need to get the characters from here to there we need to spit, say some lines but it's a setup episode for what's coming you know like it doesn't yeah. feel like a, a a total comprehensive movie it doesn't have really a rise like a climax like it's uh, it doesn't really have like elements that most movies have and it feels that way man like and if you didn't know what was going on in the harry potter universe and you would watch this and be like bored like there were points where i was like this is a boring, not well-paced movie, mm-hmm. but I'm into it because I care about this universe and I, I know about this universe. So when someone walks in and says, I'm Lita Lestrange, I know what that last name means, you know? Like, I know what it means to the greater universe. Right. And I want to know more about her and her family. But, like, if you're just a person, you don't know anything about that and you don't care. I just can't imagine what it would be like to watch this movie as a layperson, so to speak. Like, it'd be terrible. I, 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 at this point, honestly, I wish that I did know absolutely nothing because watching this movie, if, if I didn't care an iota about Harry Potter, I would have like, it's a great fantasy magic film. Like the things they do are awesome. The CGI is not over the top and insane. Like you can tell they're fantastic creatures and there's magic and everything. That's all CGI. There's no, what do you call when you use the realistic stuff? Like in the Harry Potter series where they... Practical effects. Yeah, practical yeah. effects. Uh, and and like it's just an entertaining movie for me, I think, if I didn't know anything about it. And I was if I had just seen the first movie, didn't know that there were rules at one point in the Harry Potter universe for magic and that things tend to try to make sense. If I didn't know any of that and I didn't care, then I think this movie would be awesome. I would think that it was a great follow-up to the first one. They've added some more stakes. I don't know that because I don't care so much about like progression of the plot or, Oh, you have this scene over here, but then you're over here in this scene. And then the next scene doesn't try to either of those scenes and you're just moving on. And there's no like reason for you to be there. Like I'm a, I'm a very shallow movie watcher. So that stuff never really gets to me. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. Like, but I mean, I, I, I just, I, I disagree with that. It, it is maybe a fun movie, but I feel like it is pretty poorly paced 
here's an example. I mean, it felt like a 120 page script written by someone that usually writes long form, 600 page novels who has like a, a ton of time to flesh things out. Here's an example. Like there's points in the film where like the, the newt and you know, whoever, and needs to sneak into the Parisian ministry of magic. And like, there's one conversation in an alley that's like literally 30 seconds long where he chugs some Paul juice potion. They're like, yeah, we're going to sneak in. Then they roll in and like, whatever, you know, action ensues. But in the Deathly Hallows, there's like this whole plot, you know, there's this whole buildup to this, to the sneaking in of the Gringotts, for instance, or sneaking into the ministry. Like there's like always these like elements where it's a buildup of like, how are we going to plan this? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. we got to steal the hair of the person first and then we got to do this and that. And like, it, it very much feels like a, like an Ocean's Eleven esque, you know, like there's a buildup. So the satisfying payoff is when they complete the heist. But here it was just like, we need these characters to go here. So now they're there. Now they're in, now they're going to sneak in. Oh, they sneak in perfectly. Oh, now they're doing this. And like, it felt like someone that doesn't write movies and she doesn't, you know? So it, it, it was tough. I think it's a tough form for her and the way she writes and the way she fleshes out her characters, even though she has five movies to do so. And, and it felt like that. I mean, I guess this whole thing brings up a greater question, which also applies to star Wars. Who, who does Canon belong to the creator or the fans? So Canon, I think that you can't continue to break everything without a purpose. And I think at some level you need to share that purpose with your fans. And if you're sharing that with only a small, tiny subset who happen to go to your website and follow your Twitter religiously, then you're going to lose a whole bunch of people like me who have been with you for 20 years loving this shit. And that's the choice that, that I guess you have to make. And if, if, and again, if that's in an isolation bubble with only specific people like JK Rowling, who've made a hundred million dollars every five years for the past 20 years, like she has creative freedom to do that. But if it's somebody like Ryan Johnson and he were to do something like that and lose 80% of the fan base, like, like that's a problem for them. But for JK Rowling, and this is my problem is that it's not a problem for her because she could pull this bullshit for the next three movies and still have people clamoring to see the next movie. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 this kind of reminds me of like people saying when the last Jedi came out, that's not my Luke Skywalker, you know, my Luke Skywalker wouldn't do that. Never mind the situation that he's in and the extraneous factors and mm-hmm. how it makes realistic sense for a character like that to be in that mental state. It pissed people off. Um, I don't really know. I mean, there's some timeline weirdness here. Like, you know, there's some stuff that may not work out for, you know, for the timelines that's established. I don't know if the timelines is canon is Potter. I mean, I don't know when, who decided these timelines. I don't know. Is it written in the actual seven books? Some of these like death dates and stuff. Or is most, like- most of what people have pieced together comes from Pottermore, from her filling in the details outside of the books in Pottermore. Okay. So, so again, like she set that canon in Pottermore and okay. so she's free to break it in Pottermore in, in my opinion. And there's, there was no, there was nothing set like, with the Harry Potter book series, we had the books to tell us what was going to happen and what what was supposed to happen, like how it was supposed to happen. Whereas with these, there's never been a book about Newt's Commander or about Dumbledore versus Grindelwald. So there's nothing that's that's part of what I was prepared to deal with with these movies is I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't have anything to look forward to other than, oh, I can't wait for the epic fight between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And now we're getting backstory that I never fucking wanted. Yeah. That's the, you know, that's always the question is like, who can, who wanted, who actually wanted this movie. And at first it, it ended up, you being, get to see Darth Vader as a little kid and he's sad. Right. I mean, the answer is like the studio did cause you know, they, they make making money and that's the sad kind of cynical, you know, I'm a, I'm a Hollywood producer smoking a big fat cigar, you know, wearing a three piece suit sitting behind my desk answer. But, uh the fans want more Potter, but here's what happens when you give them more Potter, right? Like, you know, like inevitably there's going to be someone that doesn't like it and thinks it fucks with everything they knew. But really what did they know is, is my question. Like, I don't know if she necessarily violated significant amounts of Canon, like at least in a meaningful fashion. I think that what she's done is 
done stuff that people didn't like. So now they're like mad about it, you know, whether, and claiming canon violations. I, and it might, it might very well be that she did violate tan- canon by the letter of the law. But like it, it uh, to me, it's just like some people didn't like the choices that she made and therefore kind of buck back against a system for that. But when they first announced like a fantastic beast series of movies, I was like, quintilogy. <laughs> I was like, on a, based on a random textbook in the universe from a guy named Newt Scamander, who we know nothing about. Now, I, of course, didn't realize that that was subterfuge for basically the prologue of Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe they should have just called it that, right? You know, I don't, I like Newt. I like Eddie Redmayne's performance. I really like him. He's a great character. Same. He does a lot with that character in what he doesn't do, you know, the way he awkwardly fidgets and doesn't look people in the eye. And he has a, a great kind of set of characteristics there that are really good. And he's a really interesting character. Um, so some of the new characters I like, but I don't give a fuck anymore when you bring in Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Like, I don't care what Newt's over there doing. Like, I want to see what Grindelwald and Dumbledore yeah. are going to do, which is the exact problem with this and the problem that the Star Wars sequels trilogy faced when you bring in Luke Skywalker, you know, people only care what he's going to do, which is why they kept him away sort of for the first movie and allowed you to get to know these new characters. And luckily the new actors are pretty charismatic and so you like them. But you know, that, I feel like the second Jude Law walks on screen, I could not care less what Newt Scamander's role is in the movie, you know? And like what, I, it's just, it's just, a, it's a problem sort of with how much we care about these characters and how much more we've gotten to know them especially as book readers, when we know that Dumbledore is so awesome. And in the movies, he's never been done justice. I mean, I don't know how you feel about Jude Law's performance, but certainly in the first eight Harry Potter movies, he was not only not done justice, but sort of not played well, but I feel like by, especially Michael Gambon, I really didn't like his performance. He's like a total dick at times. I didn't understand mm-hmm. that. Didn't have a twinkle in his eye, so to speak. So, so I, I think over the next three movies, Dumbledore is going to like, this is kind of like, again, these are the prequels. This is where you get to see Anakin Skywalker become Darth Vader. And you get to see how you get to see Obi-Wan who gets cut down in the first hour of the first movie that any of us have ever seen and disappears. You get to see him be a badass throughout episodes one, two, and three, like mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi. You get to see why people respected him and why he was the only hope, which uh, might would be the only component of the prequels that worked was evil McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. It's supposed to be Anakin's story, but it's Obi-Wan's like badass trilogy. And this, the next three movies could be Dumbledore being an epic badass. But here's my biggest problem with what I saw in this movie and what I think is going to happen in the next three is that the magic is broken. I don't care so much about timeline canon. I know that she dabbles with time travel and it's bullshit. I'm prepared for that. But the magic, she's broken all the rules that she has thus far set up to be rules or hinted at, even in the first Fantastic Beasts movie. Like like what? Like what? I need an example here. I can give you an example. So Credence is an obscurial, right? He's a powerful force of nature. And that's what they tried to harness. And that's what Grindelwald was after in the first movie was taking that obscurial and bottling it up to be like his own bottled lightning sort of thing. So they send in a roar after Credence in this second movie to try to hunt him down and capture him. So Credence is supposed to be Grindelwald wants Credence because he's the only thing that can defeat Dumbledore, according to what he said. Uh, they want to stop Credence and the entire Congress of Magical USA, Mac USA, which is the, the Ministry of Magic in America, they wanted to stop Credence because the Obscurial can blow up whole city blocks with its power. Like they know how dangerous this thing is. But this Aurora corners him in a Paris apartment where they, where Credence finds his old housekeeper, the the nanny that of him or whatever, and pisses Credence off, and then Credence attacks him with his full force, his full anger, his full hatred, and the Aurora just puts up a white shield and protects himself from this thing that supposedly is one of the most powerful, dangerous creatures in the magical universe and that Grindelwald wants to use to kill Dumbledore. The Aurora just puts up a shield and laughs at him. So who the fuck is this Aurora to be able to have that power? Like, why isn't he, why doesn't he kill Grindelwald and just take over into the universe? Like, that is a huge issue in itself. The second issue, just talking about Credence and and his power, Grindelwald puts his fucking wand in his hand and he blows up a mountain. And to me, this is this is the problem 
that I saw in The Force Awakens is you put a lightsaber in Rey's hand and all of a sudden she can fight Kylo Ren and hold her own and even hurt him. Like he's been training with the blade for 10 years. He was trained by Luke Skywalker. He was trained by, uh, God, I can't even think of his name. Snoke. Andy Serkis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, trained by Andy Serkis. Yeah. Yes. For, <laughs> for 10 years, he's been training in the blade and Ray's just got this all encompassing power where she can fight him. Like maybe the force is backing her up, but you put a wand in Credence's hand and he knows how to use it. He knows to blow off a fucking mountain, but he can do that himself as an obscurial. He doesn't need a wand. Like it, it, it's so stupid. And there's just so many, like that's, that's just within that. What we talked about with the detective scene, like they can make a feather trace itself back to its source or its original owner. Where was that before? They can, he can turn his wand. He can transfigure his wand, which is like, you're not, you don't do that. You can't use your wand and turn it into whatever you want. And he turns it into a fucking ear horn to hear the past. Like they're just breaking those rules. Uh, the red shield that they put around Grindelwald when he's in the prison. And then he swaps places with Abernathy. Like he was behind a, a force field of death and chained up and locked up. How did he switch places with Abernathy in front of all those guards in the hallway? Like they don't even try to explain that. They just, right. Oh, it was Grindelwald. He was hidden. I mean, I'm here for, I'm here for most of this stuff, but it, these aren't canon violations. These are sloppy writing. You know, these are, these are, Hey, I'm JK rallying and I need this to happen in this script. So I'm, this is magic can do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I, I don't think that that's a serious like breach of everything she's created. You're the one that keeps staying canon is the problem. I don't give a shit about it. I'm, well, that's, what, that's the heart of your issue with this movie. Is that, that's why you say you've given up on it is because it took what you thought to be the case and has now turned it on its head, or so you say. But like, really, that's what, that's, what, that's what you're saying is that it turned what you thought to be canon, I think anyway. I mean, it, I could be wrong, but like... It, it's more, well, A, it's more emotional than that. But B, like, well, I'm there, just doing there's the a cynical amount. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's like something near and dear to you. So I get that. But it's but it's also not. It means that there. It means that I can literally never again expect anything in from any of these movies. That's what it means. It's not that it's near and dear to me. It's that I, who have been loyal for years, and I, who who appreciate that she at least tries to set up rules of magic, am now just watching a CGI jizz fest all over the screen because that's what she wants to write into the story and put three more movies about. And that to me is not a reward. It's, it's like, it's like, why, why would I, if she can just add a fourth Dumbledore, what's the appeal for me to try to figure out what's happening or to try to puzzle out what's going to happen next? Like if she can literally just do whatever she wants and say, Oh, gotcha audience. You're wrong. Well, well I mean, Yes, I, I, I understand that. And I, I don't know what the appeal is. I mean, it, it's true. She can morph her universe such that anything can happen. There's no like the fun is sort of gone of trying to get. I might happen. as well be watching Transformers at sure. this point. Like oh, wow. that, that's wow. what it has sunk yeah. to. Yes, okay. that, that's literally what it has sunk to. I might as well be watching Transformers. I would love to see Shia LaBeouf in these movies, first of all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> second of all, uh, Man, I had a good point a second ago. I lost that, that Transformers comp. That was wild. That was intense, man. Well, oh, you boy. think about it. I'll talk about how Jacob and Queenie come in. And Jacob had been obliviated in the past movie. But then he says in this movie, oh, it only takes away the bad stuff. So for years and years and years, what we've known is that if magic intrudes into the muggle world, they obliviate them. So what if seeing a dragon is the best fucking day of a 10-year-old kid's life? Obliviation would not work because, according to Jacob in this movie, it only gets rid of the bad movie or the bad memories. And he didn't have any bad memories of Queenie, so he was able to be restored after he got obliviated. Uh, the leather bracelets that they put on Dumbledore to stop him from doing magic, like if that was a real thing, like so. Here's the here's the here's the thing that that I, like I could appreciate about this. Maybe Dumbledore was just fucking with them. He's like, Oh, you put these bracelets on me to stop me from doing magic or whatever. I thought it just stopped. It, it, it caused them to know anytime he did magic. Yeah. Now Is that, that was, what they said. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. It, it well, was so like they could, they could know, monitor his spells. So even that, that still fits my point is either he couldn't take them off then, 
which why the fuck wouldn't they slap Voldemort's whole body with bracelets and Grindelwald's while they had him in the death cell of the red, you know, the red screen of death. Why wouldn't they put the leather bracelets on just in case he was doing spells like trading bodies with Abernathy, his people? Like, why wouldn't they put the leather bracelets on him? It's again, it's just it's. It's Deus Ex Machina. Every other scene of the movie, like you said, it's I mean, a whole Harry bunch Potter's of always been that MacGuffins. Too. I mean, Harry Potter's like. Let me let, let me give you an example. Like every single book, it feels like there's a new fantastic either creature introduced or like a bezoar that suddenly you know that cures all poisons right when they need it, mm-hmm. or the Patronus charm, which is conveniently introduced the same book they introduce. Um, you know the. Yeah. Uh, they're, uh, yeah, the mentors. Yeah, yeah. Like that's always the way it's been because she's talk like she's creating out of her ass as she goes. For the most part, these little elements like that. She's got this overarching story, of course, but you know she probably didn't think of uh, the mentors until right before she started writing Azkaban, and she's like, "Oh, we need a spell to combat them because, like, you know." And, and so it's always been the case, and, and I don't know why people are choosing this one now to like harp on what's always been J.K. Rowling's kind of calling card. I mean, think about Dumbledore's history. We don't know anything about him until book seven, really. And then suddenly he has a brother and a sister, which now we hold this huge, dear backstory for him and his motivations for his character for the entire preceding six books based on like a couple chapters out of like one book that's at the very end. Like, why is that suddenly held a sacred canon? But now if she drops in a fourth Dumbledore, you know, like 10 years later, suddenly we're like, oh, what the fuck? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. that, That doesn't make sense. And it doesn't bother me as much, but like I, but I hear you. And I mean, the reason people are passionate about this, cause she created something she called lining in a bottle. And very, very rarely do, do people do that. So like, it's an exciting thing to talk about. And it's certainly something that's going to happen three more times when three more movies comes out and she, there's six more hours of Canon, which some of which fans will be like, Oh, hell yeah. Like, Oh, that was so cool. How, how, um, Grindelwald had the, uh, the, he has the Deathly Hallows, and if you touch it, is you know he will come find you. Oh, it's like a precursor to the Dark Mark. How fucking cool is that? And oh, oh, I get it. Voldemort probably studied Grindelwald and looked at what he did well and looked at what he failed at, and then chose the things he liked to emulate. Studied him. He's a clone. What? He's, <laughs> yeah, he, right, yeah, yeah. He, that might, hey, that might very well be the case. He's, he, yeah, yeah. he was born from the egg that Grindelwald hatches when Dumbledore <laughs> defeats him. Oh man, that'd be awesome. Well, uh, what are some things you liked about this movie? I'll tell you one. I like that um, opening, like, prison escape thing. And here's the thing. It was entirely CGI. I hate CGI. None of that shit happened. I enjoyed that. That was thrilling to me. And I enjoyed the opening shot of, like, the prison cell, like, the door opening and the light just shining on Grindelwald. And this leads me to my other point about what I really enjoyed about this movie. God damn it. I really enjoyed Johnny Depp in this movie. I thought he was really good. And... He riveted me every time he was on screen. And only thing I cared about the whole movie was what he was going to do. And that's when I like, maybe I'm a sucker for villains as we know, but I I really enjoyed him. And I thought his performance was really good. And he lived up to kind of the thought I had about this character, how he's charismatic um, or charismatic, how he's like a, just like someone that could convince you that like these ridiculous deeds are justified. Like almost like kind of like the the personification of like the antichrist, you know, like someone that's just such a smooth talker and silver tongue. And I really liked the performance and I, I, I thought all of it was really good. Um, so yeah, like it was kind of like, he was like the Thanos of this movie. I mean, he was in it a lot. And so it really, it was his movie. Although I still don't really know what crimes he committed besides a few murders. This was called the crimes of Grindelwald and still like, I need a rap sheet on my guy, you know, yeah. Grindelwald. What did you like? I, I, I liked every performance. Like I, I don't have a problem with any of the actors or any of the performances. Like I really enjoyed that. Like I said, like if this was not tied to Harry Potter whatsoever, this was a great fantasy magic movie for me. Like I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I, I enjoyed the, the magic that was in it. I enjoyed their portrayals and um, the humor that came along with it. Like I enjoyed it. I just, it breaks the universe for me in a way that is just unforgivable. <laughs> so Tinkerton is a wall. <laughs> I need that guy to read, just reemerge and like go in on this. Yeah. Like, like, like 15 years later. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the performances are good. All right. So Jude Law is Dumbledore. What do you think? I like them. 
the best the best Dumbledore performance? Mm, ouch. Uh, I certainly liked him better than Michael Gambon playing himself in the 1940s uh, recruiting Voldemort to Hogwarts. Like, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> slams a 14-year-old kid up against a trophy case. <laughs> He was like, I, literally might as well have just like put on a freaking pair of like, uh, like what are those like things called you put on your hands? Like those metal. I'm totally brass knuckles. It. Yeah. Brass knuckles just beat the shit out of here. <laughs> it's like, he was, he was like one pair of brass knuckles away from doing that, but he didn't need to, he sent a dragon after him later. He that's true. To, he didn't need a brass knuckles. In. That's true. Uh, yeah, I did. I, like, other than the connection to a, a an IP that I love and hold near and dear and thought that I could trust, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I didn't I, have issues with progression or scenes jumping left to right and not explaining anything. Like, okay, they don't you know explain why? because you know he's pointless. What? Because you know that the reason you didn't have issues is the exact reason why you say you didn't like the movie, which is I feel like you're contradicting yourself. Like you know what polyjuice potion is so you can so the, a, a throwaway line about uh, that yeah. is perfectly fine for you so like because you're intimately familiar with this universe you could follow that's what i'm saying like it's good for intimately familiar people if you can get over the, the canon things or the whatever the things that you didn't like mm-hmm. like but if you're just joe Schmo that walks in there you're like the movie's probably no better than like the golden compass or run-of-the-mill fucking sci-fi CGI I, movie. I, think I, I honestly a, feel that way. Like I know you do, and I'm going to say it's a blessing and a curse. I won't argue against that. I'm just saying it's a blessing and a curse. So, like McGonagall was in this movie. I'm sitting here trying to puzzle out how the fuck that works. If it's her, she wasn't if even it's born yet, right? a relative, yeah, she wasn't even born yet, according to or she was like eight or something. Yeah, I read that today. Yeah. yeah, and so like because I know it, I'm that that was a horrible point in the movie for me. But if I didn't know it, I'd be like, oh, this is a funny redheaded Scottish professor just yelling at people. Like, sure then I can just move on from that point. Yeah. But it breaks it for me because I know and care and want to figure it out. And, and that's the problem with this movie is it doesn't give me or anybody a chance to figure it out because the end fucking twist, even if you think you're following or trying to keep it up, they just add in a fourth Dumbledore. Like you can't, you can't even try. And that's just to set up the next three movies. And that's the worst thing that I think anybody could do to a moviegoer. Yeah, I don't really understand why, except for a plot device, that needed to happen. I mean, it doesn't, you know? Like, he doesn't need to be a fourth Dumbledore. Like, uh, mm-hmm. aside from the, you know, the sort of manipulation of Grindelwald or maybe the, the drama of pitting Dumbledore against his, you know, little brother that he didn't know he had, or maybe he does know he had, I don't know. But, like, uh, you know, the added drama of that. But ultimately, here's what's going to happen. You know, if he is the other brother, Dumbledore has to kill him at some point. You know, or or Grindelwald kills him, and then we know that Dumbledore defeats Grindelwald. So, like, we know what happens to these characters. You know, sort of the issue with the prequels, but in general. But I, you know, I I don't know. I, I'm going to see the rest of them, uh, but I just can't imagine. I can't visualize what it would be like watching this movie, not knowing the the characters and like who they are and what they what they've done in the past. It would just be a to me a fucking terrible experience. Maybe not. I mean didn't make a ton of money. It made, I mean, it made a lot of money, but not, it, it, it's a bomb comparatively mm. to the rest of the, the Harry Potter movies. And I think that's the reason I think people are like, yeah, like I, I saw the other seven Harry Potters and I saw the first fantastic beast, but this one, I don't, I don't really know what was happening. I don't know. I could see that coming up from Thanksgiving, you know, around the old Turkey dinner. Like, I, I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm fascinated to hear people's opinions of this movie that aren't fans uh, and, and see what they thought about it. But, I mean, it was okay, and I'll, I'll see the rest of them, and you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll go forward from there, I guess. <laughs> Although I don't know if you are, you're gonna watch. I don't know if I will, man. Yeah. I... Well, let me ask you this: Is this movie more Rogue One or The Last Jedi to you? Now that has like a kind of a overarching implications there. That question does uh, people's opinion of both movies are vastly different, and I feel like yeah. it's well, two different split audiences. Really, uh, the people that love yeah. either of those movies, like. It's The Last Jedi, but I... But you just didn't like the creative choices that she made, whereas yeah. you did like The Last Jedi's creative Absolutely. choices. Absolutely, yes. Well, that, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, and I didn't like... Uh, I didn't like hyper... 
jump, destroy, Star Destroyer move. Oh, yeah, like, like what's the Kamikaze, the hyperspace yeah, Kamikaze. Kamikaze yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I didn't like that, but it didn't ruin the movie for me. Whereas I feel like hyperspace Kamikaze happened at least a dozen times in this movie, and it was enough to just to make it like this movie was literally a gut wrenching experience for me. And I, I cannot think of another time where I felt that way. No, I can see that where, where a little small about the quiet place or a quiet place that, uh, Mm -hmm. where Jim from the office fights a bunch of fucking aliens. Like I look, you create this universe and these rules. And that's a movie where they have to create the universe and the rules. And then then have to do the whole thing. There were like multiple times in that movie where I was just like, wait a minute, how come that didn't like call them? Like, how come they didn't hear that? How come, yeah. how come they hear this, but not that? And like, it, it, it's fine to some extent, but when it starts adding up and like, you, you start getting like, you start feeling that feeling, you know, six, seven, eight times throughout, you know, then that distracts you so much that you just can't, you, you're out, you know, you can't buy into the whole thing anymore. So I hear you there. Like that, that is something I've experienced with, with the quiet place, which is renowned as a good movie. You're on the Transformers 3D ride at Universal Studios, and you just hysterically start laughing and can't yeah, stop yeah. because you've had a dozen missiles thrown in your face and then deflected for no reason whatsoever. That felt like I was just fucked with a Optimus Prime shaped dildo for like literally <laughs> like two and a half minutes. I mean, I, I I was just left for dead, just in complete disarray after that ride. Like I still. <laughs> Like, I feel like if you're religious before you ride that ride, then you're an atheist after and then vice versa. Like, it's, it's somehow there's like, <laughs> there's a complete change in your Branson life. Transcendental. Right. Yeah. For one way or the other, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Look, I don't know anything anymore. Okay. All I know is that studios are going to make these movies. They don't give a shit what you think, Brett. Uh, I give a shit what you think. And maybe people that listen to this will give a shit what you think. But it's a fascinating J- conversation. And it's so funny that J.K. Rowling is now becoming. I'll say it, the new George Lucas. I know that people hate that. J.K. Rowling has lived long enough to become the villain. Yes, she has. She she didn't die. Uh, he didn't the die hero. the hero. Yes. Yeah, and died. at midnight, I will go back in time and kill her with a shovel. <laughs> well, this has been another episode of In the Camp, part of the Barbara Podcast Network. And what you heard was a murder threat on behalf of uh, some, a guy that you probably can't trace his IP address. So don't even, don't even. It's work. okay. I'll use the one port key in all of Britain that can't be traced <laughs> by the Ministry of Magic to escape and to enter the country. A crusty old British guy, like or uh, like Irish guy, standing on the cliff face. Nobody will catch me. <laughs> all right, man, I'll fun. just apparate onto the school grounds of Hogwarts, which cannot be done except for by a dozen horrors. One point. In Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. We might post your entire list of grievances on the site, but in the meantime, I have one question for you. Why would you put your name on the goblet of fire, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you later.